You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm really excited to have my friend Albert Vita on with us as today's guest from Home Depot. He is the director of in-store experience for the Home Depot and its 1,800 U.S. store locations. Albert is a former retail consultant for McKinsey, Deloitte, and IBM, and has served several Fortune 500 retailers, including Walmart, Target, Macy's, CVS, Nike, and Disney stores. Albert believes retail at its core is the business of human connection and value delivery. Humility, human-centered design, and affection for his customers and his associates is at the center of his approach to experience design. He has helped lead some of Home Depot's most groundbreaking store innovations and initiatives, including Home Depot Store of the Future or Pilot Store Initiative, where you see 900 plus pilots in one store, and the groundbreaking HDDC, Home Depot Design Center in San Diego, reimagining kitchen and bath remodeling. So as you can imagine, we're about to have a very interesting conversation about the possibilities of retail and innovation. Albert, thanks so much for being with us today. Melissa, good morning, and, and thank you for having me. One small correction in the intro. You mentioned 900 uh, pilots that are, are a pilot. Oh, store. I said 900? It, it, it was close, closer to 90. Uh, you know, it, it felt like 900, certainly, in, in, the, in the moment. But I got um, zealous. I got zealous, overly zealous. I'm going to leave that in, though. I appreciate the, uh, uh, the vote of confidence. But um, no, no, there was, uh, the scope of that project was still huge. And so uh, 900, I think, would have been uh, a bit overwhelming. But thank you for having me. Yes, thanks for being on today. So um, I spoke a little bit about your role, but you know, just to introduce you even further to the audience, you know, can you tell us a little bit about you know your role at, at Home Depot? Sure. Um, as the director of in-store experience uh, for for the Home Depot, you mentioned uh, the eighteen hundred plus U.S. stores that uh, Home Depot has in. Uh, uh, in our fleet for for the United States, uh, we also have stores um, in Canada and in Mexico, which we have different teams uh, for that as well. But uh, for the U.S. stores, uh, that's really my uh, my focus area. From an in-store experience perspective, you can consider a lot of the times I think of our team as the the UI UX uh, of the in-store experience. Um, everything uh, in in the store that you might you might encounter with your senses. You know, what do you see in the store with our signage and our our wayfinding? Um, tactile, uh, what are you touching in terms of any of the interactive digital um, experiences as well? falls under that. And, and, and it's interesting too, uh, Home Depot is a large company. And so certainly when I, my focus area from a buildings materials perspective are some of those categories like lumber and plumbing and electrical, right? That uh, you don't always think about innovation. And so it, it's certainly a challenge that I embrace and that I'm excited about. No, absolutely. I mean, being at Home Depot has uh, probably just been exceptionally um, interesting to say the least for you. I mean, you guys have been one of the essential retailers open during all of COVID and in what's now been a favorite category with so many people working from home and spending time at home and wanting to make those improvements. What are some of the top learnings that you've seen in the past 12 months? Um, Absolutely. It's a great question, Melissa. And there's really two things that are coming to mind. 
The first one is as an uh, as an essential retailer. And actually, before I even get to my responses, let me take a step back. Um, Home Depot's focus area focus areas were, were very clear from 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 day one uh, with the unfortunate pandemic that hit uh, that's still you know affecting our, our country. But um, certainly, number one was the safety of our associates uh, and our customers, um, as well as making sure we maintain our status as a an essential retailer. So that those focus areas were were definitely definitely really clear across our entire enterprise. But in terms of lessons learned, the first one that came to mind was as customers are spending more time at home, and I know you and I have talked about this as well, as, mm-hmm. as our customers are spending more time at home, projects that were nice to have or optional um, became must-haves and must-dos, right? 75% of all U.S. households, Melissa took on at least one home improvement project um, mm. last year and during the pandemic, and 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 a large uh, percentage of that took on more than three uh, home improvement projects as well. So certainly, certainly, either it was. Uh, redecorating or new appliances or thinking about something outdoor or you know there's a lot of ways that um, America uh, decided to spend money on their homes but certainly that that stat uh, was a big one was for us as well Um, the second learning that really came alive uh, for me last year certainly during COVID were Internally, uh, Home Depot is a very values-based company. Um, we have a values wheel that um, is very near and dear to our hearts, literally. Um, on every Home Depot apron, our values wheel is actually printed on our apron over our hearts. And uh, we, Home Depot also has, uh, from a cultural perspective, another symbol which is very important to us, an inverted pyramid, mm-hmm. where at the, at the top of the inverted pyramid, Melissa, is our customers. Mm-hmm. And uh, right, right next to that is our frontline associates, and then our our store headquarters or our SSC employees are close to the bottom, with our CEO at the bottom of our our inverted pyramid. But one of the other big lessons, and the second lesson that I wanted to talk about was how these values truly came alive. And mm-hmm. you know, it was it. There's always I. You know, there's always going to be pride in in the company that I work for and being able to wear an apron, but it really became alive that these values um, that we talk about and live and breathe every day really drove all of the decisions. And so certainly from a cultural perspective, our values wheel and inverted pyramid were, were, were really uh, key drivers for us. No, absolutely. I mean, it's important to have that guiding light. Um, you know, intact there and, and something that everybody as an organization um, strives to. It's also been a year, so we talk about safety and, you know, there was probably a lot of just tactical ways you just had to prove that and, and, and put those initiatives into place. But now as we continue to move forward, you know, um, you're seeing those layers being put on top of that. So there's curbside and there's BOPIS and right, a lot of that was kind of pushed forward, I think, to create safer environments and lower touch. Um, but now you have to really interweave that into your business um, and, and, and really add like the logistical side and efficiencies and everything like that. Um, and what you've seen out of all of that is a lot of innovation come out across the board with brands and retailers. And so when you look at some of these initiatives, um, how do you approach innovation? What do you find to be like the, the formulas to success or the hurdles 
um, that you often hit? Uh, I love this question as well, Melissa, and there's really three ways that I want to re respond to that. Um, the first one, again, you'll hear me say this over and over again, um, our true north, our, our, our how we navigate our decisions, especially when it comes to innovation initiatives, still is going to come back to our values wheel and our inverted pyramid. Um, they will certainly drive all of the innovative decisions and all of the business decisions, certainly for, for the company. Secondly, um, one of the themes that I talk a lot about is empathy right? mm -hmm. and making sure we have heartfelt empathy for our frontline associates and what they go through every day and our customers um, as well. And then third, uh, I'm a really big believer in measurement, right? And so we, however form shape that it measurement takes, I, I part of the approach to innovation in stores, uh, I certainly measurement and, and how are you tracking what does success look like? Um, certainly needs to be part of the conversation. No, absolutely. I love that you say empathy. For me, I think about, you know, for things to be successful, you can't change existing behavior. You need to enhance it. And I think the only way to truly understand how to enhance it is if you have empathy. Um, Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Because you're understanding, you know, where's their friction? Where are you in, in where are you improving the journey? You know, how, how are you just kind of making the life, their life better within, within your environment? Um, what have been the, I mean, yes, obviously creating safe environments, probably one of the answers here, but what has been one of the biggest challenges um, in your role? Um, I would say the biggest challenge in the role that I have thinking about the in-store experience really is a, is a classic one, um, which really has to do with if looking at cust at Home Depot's customer segments. Um, there are three primary customer segments that the Home Depot has. Uh, DIY, mm -hmm. our do-it-yourself customers, our pros, our uh, professional contractors, and a third category of DIFM, which would be the our, our do-it-for-me's uh, services and, and customers that engage us that way. But I would say that the biggest challenge is one that is even certainly certainly taken on new dimensions during COVID, but existed before the pandemic as well, which is, you know, the Home Depot absolutely is a is a working warehouse and our typical store is, is over 100,000 square feet. And from an experiential design perspective, it's a balance. It is absolutely a, a balancing act between understanding, and we talked about the empathy, the, and the understanding and the empathy for what are the needs of your DIYs uh, mm -hmm. customer and, and how does that differ from your, your pros? And, and what you need to think about is the dynamics uh, around these customer segments is very different. For <laughs> um, sure. You know, if, if, you know, if you, uh, if you're taking on a, a sort of a weekend warrior project and repainting, um, re repainting a bedroom and it's been something you, you've planned on versus if your livelihood and your career and your business is painting, right? So it's a very different conversation still around the same category. So the, the biggest challenge, and, and really I would phrase it differently, the biggest opportunity is really to to step in the shoes of, of, of my customers and try to bring forth an in-store environment that is really optimal regardless of, of if you're coming in as a DIY or as a professional contractor. 
No, absolutely. I'm definitely on that DIY plus needs, <laughs> <laughs> plus needs like extra, extra help with, but I would think, you know, for whatever you could share, I would think like that DIY user base only grew um, because of the pandemic. <laughs> I, I can't comment on any of the specifics of the growth or anything like that, but I, I think anecdotally, and you could certainly see it in, in the headlines, it's as I mentioned before, when, you know, as our country was stuck at home and quarantined and obviously for the right safe reasons, you know, again, you're looking around and you're looking at what was a optional, you know, project before now became a glaring must have. And so um, certainly, you know, there, we, we've seen, um, uh, we've seen customers come in, you know, during, during the time of COVID with that mindset around uh, I'm at home more and uh, uh, now I'm it now is the time for me to actually you know start the project that I've been wanting to do. Yeah no abs- absolutely absolutely so uh, what's the one thing you think retail leaders must do to ensure that that brand stay relevant in in 2021? Melissa what a great question you know and I a lot of the times it was you start talking about relevance and brand relevance and and certainly my perspective you know we could easily go into emerging technology or certainly looking at what the competitive landscape looks like but i'm actually going to borrow a, a page out of carol dweck's book mindset and to me the number one thing retail leaders must do is is really take a moment to take stock and engage their their mindset you know carol Dweck talks about how a growth mindset um, is on one end of the spectrum and a fixed mindset is on the other. And why it's important, Melissa, is that I deeply feel that the quality of an in-store experience will never rise above the level of thinking that the retail leader is bringing to it, you know, from their mindset. And it comes back down. And and you know, if you, the way that if you take a, a, a another way to look at it, right, is you know any in-store experience, right, really is a reflection of the leadership team that brought it to life. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. right. And so for me, it's sort of that's where I start. You know, the mindset, the level of thinking, and and really what problem are, are you know is the team really trying to solve? But I would I would certainly say that. Um, you know, asking my opinion as a starting point, it would be with really taking stock of of what is the mindset that you're bringing. Is it one of abundance and contribution and empathy, or mm-hmm. is it protective and trying to secure what I have and not lose, um, you know, not lose market share and things like that? And I, you know, ultimately it may be a balance, but I, I think that at least being willing to ask yourself the question. Right and and gauge where you are um, almost even before you begin the project of of thinking about your store differently. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you sit in such an interesting place, right? With 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 the store of the future and and your pilot initiatives, ninety plus, not nine hundred. But um, you know, any surprises? You know, of of things that you know, maybe were successful and, and gave you ahas that you didn't expect? Um, I think in terms of surprises, of, you know, from, from what I learned from the, the pilot store, certainly um, 
were that there were there were certain gotchas or or traps that I I saw that were potentially recurring, and and these are things that um, I would want to make sure that we avoid uh, in in the future. Um, one of the one of the big learnings um, that I had coming out uh, is something that I call the the friction mm. trap, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea here is in an effort to reduce friction. And intru- so we introduced new experiences into the store. We could actually end up creating more friction inadvertently, right? So that's, uh, uh, that's one of the learnings. Um, the other... Uh, other learning and the other uh, trap I, I think that is mind we need to be mindful of is what I would call the associate experience trap. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, for good reason, customer experience is the the buzzword and gets a lot of the spotlight. And in my experience as well, it equally and if not more important than CX is the AX, right? The associate experience, and it's a lot of the times, and it's the AX or that associate experience that really will determine the success of the store experience. Certainly, something to to look out for. Uh, one of the other things to think about is is over competition. And uh, what I would call the overcompetition trap. Uh, obviously, you know, there Home Depot, and a lot of the times when there's a, a a competitor in blue that we talk a lot about as well. And I think that we either part of the trap could be looking only at other home improvement retailers or um, just within our segment. So, to me, at the end of the day, you know, the trap speaks to hey, you know, should grocery chains only look at other grocers for who they compete with? Should apparel companies only look at other apparel companies? And, and I think we would both agree most answers should be should be no. And mm-hmm. you know the idea would be is looking around at who who else can we actually learn customer experience um, lessons from, mm-hmm. right? You know, what does Starbucks do well, right? What does yeah. Chick-fil-A? do well? What does Delta Airlines do well, right? And all of these elements form, you know, our own perceptions of what is, you know, what what is good customer experience and what is good customer service. So there's certainly an overcompetition aspect of it. And then the last uh, point, um, one of the things that uh, I, I've learned uh, along the way is is the importance of, of speed, right? And mm-hmm. You know, certainly um, surprise and delight is an aspect of any retail conversation when you're talking about in-store experience, but but speed is as well, right? And yeah. we talk a lot about time is money. And in, you know, there, there's a perspective that I have that, that that's not true, right? That time actually is more important um, it's, it, than money in the sense that it's, it's a irreplaceable, non-renewable resource time, right? So really thinking through your in-store experiences um, from the from the lens of time as currency, right? You know, yes. time is the new currency. Everything from parking lot, front door, <laughs> shopping, your assortment, point of sale, you know, and, and really thinking about this in terms of time, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and speed. So, so certainly those are some of the things that, uh, uh, along the journey that I've learned, you know, that are really standing out. No, absolutely. It's, um, I think time for sure. And to me, it's interesting. Um, the next layer is 
how do we bring those kind of quick serve, right? If we think about, you know, with curbside and Bopis, right? Those quick serve uh, metrics, those otherwise transactional moments where we layer in empathy and we make click and collect a moment of click and connect, you know? Um, to me, that's Absolutely. an interesting opportunity going forward. It's it's a moving target uh, for sure, and um, I absolutely it's it's certainly a an honor to to you know have the role that I have uh, for such a values based company like Home Depot and and the exciting thing about the role and certainly our, our industry overall, Melissa, is that it is moving, mm-hmm. right? And that um, even after 20 years in the industry, I still very much consider myself a student, and just mm-hmm. because. You know, everything's changing so fast, and and uh, I think there is some danger in, in in thinking that you've got the algorithm and the formula all figured out, and and being willing to approach our roles, um, and and the problems that you know not only Home Depot faces, but but affecting our industry with, with really fresh eyes, you know, with a beginner mindset, a flexible mindset, and so, um, uh, no, this has absolutely been a pleasure to have a conversation today, Melissa. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk about it. I think that there's so much more to come still. I love the, the always learning mentality. I think, you know, as much as we, we talk a lot in the industry about AI, for example, we're kind of, even though all these algorithms are re- having to relearn because there's new norms, new trends, new behaviors coming forward. So it's always an opportunity to, to learn. And if you continue to make it, um, kind of your mission to listen, like you say, and have that empathy, um, then you can continue to improve the experience for your consumers. Well, thank you. Wonderful. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Albert, for being on with us. Again, this is Albert Ida. He is the director of in-store experience for the Home Depot. Um, really appreciate the time that you're taking with us today. Thank you, Melissa. And for anyone listening, stay safe and wish you all the best in, in, in 2021. 